What's up, young adults? Hey, guys, welcome, welcome. Welcome to uh, Tuesday night. Um, just because there's a lot of new faces here, which is really cool. Um, just want to share with you a little bit about kind of our normal platform during the fall. Okay, we're in this we're in this kind of fall season, and and uh, it's kind of a new platform. So we uh, we kind of hang out for a little bit here at Young Adults, and uh, and then we jump into some worship, and then we'll do a short topic intro, and then we'll jump into small groups here in just a little bit. So I uh, want you guys to know about that and just be aware of that as we are jumping into tonight's topic because it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of big. Um, by the way. It's um, big. Yeah, it's big. This is, um, this is Jessa. She's my wife. Everybody say hi, Jessa. Hey. Um, kind of, kind of, like, can I tell them about Crunchy, how that got started? Like, I honestly thought you were going to tell them about the scary haunted cornfield. Oh, no, no. You're oh, being weird okay. already. <laughs> we just started and you're already being weird. What's up with that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, by the way, weird and nerd and things like that are like totally terms of endearment in our household. So, uh, you know, you'll see us kind of get into that. Um, hopefully we don't scare you guys away because I know none of y'all are weird, right? Y'all aren't weird, right? We're just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so weird, <laughs> hey, tonight I want it to be um, conversational, okay, and kind of low-key. Um, I understand that, that uh, this, you know, is a topic. It's a big topic. We're going to jump into um, dating. And um, we've been in this series called Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask, right? And uh, there's so many questions around dating. And, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that the Bible doesn't address it explicitly, right? And so it's really hard to, like, jump into Scripture and say, hey, I'm going to find, you know, you, if, you, if, you, if you Googled romance in the Bible, you'll probably come up with Song of Solomon. I'm just going to read you a couple out of Song of Solomon, okay? Here we go. Um, did I, leave, did, I, did I delete that? I deleted that part. But anyway, it's like, it's like your sheep, this is one, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. And your teeth are like little sheep. Sure, yeah, yeah, your teeth are like a herd of sheep. Bros, that's not where you want to get your pickup line. Okay, I'm not saying mine was all that better, but do not get your pickup line from the Song of Solomon. I'm just saying, okay, it's probably not the best. So, um, yeah, gosh, I think that um, for me, and we're going to get into our story just a little bit, but most of my dating was during my, like, BC days, um, and I kind of partied a lot and got into drugs and, and all this stuff, and, and so most of my dating during my BC days was not God-honoring. I didn't even care. I didn't even care, and, um, and I learned a lot, right? And so we're going to jump into that conversation tonight. But, but just to like get us kind of get the wheels churning, um, relationships are hard, right? Just relationships in general are really, really, really hard. Like friendships, you know, hanging out, roommates, that kind of stuff, that's hard. And dating relationships are even harder. Um, and uh, with the erosion of like family values and things like that, like sex isn't even sacred anymore anymore. Um, you know, we, spoiler alert, we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, but uh, we put expectations, this is huge, right? This is something I learned is that we put expectations on the other person that are expectations that we should only put on God. We do that. That's a big thing we're going to jump into tonight a little bit. And um, we tend to move really, really fast, but then we get like roadblocked and we stop and, and there's all this craziness. And the covenant of marriage has lost its value in our culture. Um, and covenant, 
is something I hope that we can do. We're going to do a series on biblical covenants. There's a bunch of them. And actually, when I started studying it deeply, it made almost like all of the Bible make sense to me in a whole new way. It was beautiful. Uh, but, but marriage is actually a covenant. So we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit um, inside of our story. But it's not a Band-Aid. It's not temporary. Um, it is a calling. And so... With that being said, we should just jump into our story. We do you want to kick us off or should, should I kick us off? You should. I should kick us yeah. off. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, a lot of you guys know a little bit of my story. Um, I graduated high school and um, I, I went right into, I, I didn't go to college. I went right into a professional career and I thought I was going to be a business owner. And by this point, I was already, you know, into drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. And so my dating relationships were terrible. They're very toxic. And um, I found that my identity was completely in this dating relationship, right? And so I started dating this girl, and uh, she was like this cheerleader. And I thought, man, I, 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 can't not, I cannot let go of this relationship. So then there, there came like this infidelity that happened in our relationship, and, and it was terrible. And it just wrecked me. It wrecked me. And... Uh, I'm going to be totally vulnerable with you guys. I'm kind of selective about what audiences I share this with. But she and I actually eloped and got married in Vegas. It was a super toxic relationship. Um, I didn't, I was not living for Jesus, okay. Um, and then after, gosh, um, about five years of marriage and completely drowning myself every single day in alcohol, I just finally gave up. My life was just crashing down around me. Um, this person that I was married to said, I'm done. I'm emotionally bankrupt. And I, I, that's where our lives were at. And it was really, really hard. But this is real life. This is my life when I was 27 years old. And, uh, and she said, I'm done. And I didn't blame her because I had spent that five years just drinking myself into oblivion. And I left her completely emotionally bankrupt. Jesus wasn't in our lives at all, and we had nothing to kind of hold on to. And she said, I'm done. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. And actually, I, I um, went through a lot of counseling and pastors um, saying, man, you just need to let her go. Because I was like refusing to sign the divorce paper as I was going to fight till the death because I never thought I would be 27 and divorced. I was just broken. It was an ugly place. Um, so found myself drunk in my room on the floor, staring at the ceiling. And I just finally said, God, I surrender. I surrender. And, um, he reminded me very quickly of what he had called me to do, which was, was to be a pastor. That's what I was running away from. That's what I was drowning myself. Cause I knew I didn't want to surrender completely to God. So once I finally did, I came to Colorado to go to school. And, uh, and I took a hiatus from dating for a while because God needed to just rearrange all the furniture in my heart. He needed to do some real, like, soul work in my heart. And so the next three years, I was single, living in, like, a 400-square-foot closet, <laughs> like, living in a, a, a little um, studio apartment. And it was so hard. But, man, there were some beautiful moments where I just sat in his presence. And, uh, 
And it was during that process that I actually met Jessa. So you want to share a little bit about yeah. your background? So I'll go ahead and share a little bit about my story. So my name is Jessa, and it is such a delight to be able to be with you guys today. John comes home every week, twice a week, and talks about how amazing each of you are. And so it's neat to be able to be with you tonight. So a little bit about my story. So I was born in Toronto, Canada. I don't say A. I'm not one of those types of people, A. Um, but Wait, didn't you just say A? <laughs> Shut up. I thought you don't say I'm A. I'm a nerd. Do you say a boot it? Do you say a boot it? I say a boot. What a boot it. And I say a rough. Trash. Roof. Can you say bag? Yes, I go get my bags and I get it's shopping bags at the grocery store and I put all of my groceries so in my bags to carry my bags to the car. <laughs> and then I ask John to help me unload the bags. Yeah. That but help? Canadians are supposed to be like the nicest people. A. <laughs> all right, go. Okay. So I was born in Toronto, Canada. I was born to a large family, and I was the oldest. There was, an, well, I, I was the oldest girl. I had an older brother, and then directly under me, under me there was a lot of other kids. There was um, 11 other kids, um, and so it was a big family. But not only was it a big family, it was a family that was an unsafe family. I would say that they were a very evil family, and they perpetrated a lot of harm against me. So my childhood started off with being groomed for sexual abuse, and I was sexually abused as a young girl, and then that turned into being used for child sexual abuse material, and then that led to me being sold, which we know is trafficking within my suburban neighborhood, and then it got to the larger city, and eventually my biological family would take me into the U.S. for the sole purpose of being sold for sex. So they had a circuit in the U.S. that they would go on um, very frequently and had those specific towns, and unfortunately a lot more trauma happened in those areas. And so I grew up with this concept and this idea that I'm dirty and that I can never be not only pure, but that I can never get married. I did not want to get married. I had no desire to be in a relationship ever. Literally, what I saw in the future was me killing myself. And that was my perception of what my life was going to contain and how I was going to take control of my life and my future. And so the trauma took place and it continued. I was not allowed to go to school and it was just a very dark and hopeless period. When I was 21, I was in Kansas City. I was at a hotel in Kansas City and a woman who knew the red flags of one who was being trafficked. She saw those in me and this was in 2000, at the end of 2008, that she saw those red flags, which if you know anything about human trafficking in the U.S. and in Canada, 2008, people weren't talking about trafficking. And not only were people not talking about human trafficking, but people also very rarely knew what to look for, specifically within a hotel setting where exploitation was taking place. And so it was a miracle now that I can look back on my journey and look back on my life. It's a miracle that I was recognized as a victim at that time. And so I did not have a relationship with God. Um, 
other than I knew he was out there. I knew that there was light and I knew that there was darkness. And that was very much what my perception of God was during that time. This woman, um, we don't have enough time (laughs) to go into all the details, but this woman, she was the one who eventually in 2009 helped me to escape. And I was able to escape from the U.S. and I came to Colorado. And I entered a safe house in 2009 in Colorado Springs, and that was when I started my journey of recovery. Yet, with the legal process and with the immigration process, it's very long and it's very complicated. (laughs) So I unfortunately actually had to go back to Canada at the end of 2009. And then at the beginning of 2010, during the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, BC, I was there had a female pimp who ended up recruiting me and I had no idea what was happening and I ended up being trafficked during the 2010 Winter Olympics, which once again instilled in me the lies that I am broken, something is wrong with me, it is tattooed all over my forehead that I am a slut, that I'm dirty and that I'm good for nothing except for people to take advantage of me. So, When I was able to escape for the second time, I came back to Colorado and went back to the safe house. They came up with this big, marvelous idea that I should go to school. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? Don't you guys remember? Like, I've never been to school in my life. Like, how could I ever go to school? And the woman told me, the director of the safe house, she said to me, Jessa, if you can read, you can learn anything. And so I actually, every single day for a whole year, would take a black Sharpie right across my arm. If I can read, I can learn anything. And went to the library, got books, started to study, and got enrolled in school and got accepted at school and started school at a small Bible college in Colorado Springs. And I started to study. And guess what? Guess what school I was going to? (laughs) The same small Bible college. Oh, one, two, three. Everybody say, oh, one, two, three. Oh. Okay. Gosh. We thought we would keep it light. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. No, seriously, though, um, we're talking about some heavy subjects. And uh, just want you guys to know if anything's triggering you, it's not going to hurt our feelings if you need to get up and step out or take a break. Totally okay. But um, we thought it was important to share the context of our lives because that impacted our dating so much. And um, I know that, you know, our our examples are kind of extreme, but um, I know if if I know anything working with human beings is that there are people that, uh, that are here tonight who have been severely hurt in relationships. And not just hurt in relationships, but are holding on to truths that are actually lies that people have told you. Messages people have told you that are not what God says. And some of those that I was holding on to, some of those that John was holding on to. So even though my trauma might be big trauma, even though John's experience might be big experience, what we have in common is that trauma is trauma, pain is pain. And what we can do is we can relate to each other because if you're human in some way or in some form, you've experienced some kind of pain. 
Maybe it's a broken family. Maybe it's not being given the nurture that you needed as a child. Maybe it's just walking through COVID and losing a job. That's not just, that's big and that's hard. And so we all can go ahead and just engage together because we're all human. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that. So um, so I came on campus. Jess, I had already been there for a semester or two. Mm, two. And um, you guys know on college campus, you know, there's you, you, you get acquaintances, right? So I knew of Jessa, and I had seen her around campus, and I'm like, man, she's beautiful. I should get to know her. And we did this thing called chapel, right? And so we would go to chapel, and it was kind of about this size, honestly. And uh, I was really, really small, and I look over, and I see her. And she is like worshiping like no one I had ever seen in my life. Okay, I could see all over her just surrender and abandon. And it broke, like that broke me. I, I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen such authentic just worship and surrender. And that was where I was like, man, something is really special about this person and and so I thought, man, uh, what a great idea. I should just ask you out for coffee. So I asked her out for coffee, and you know what she did? Unfriended me, blocked me, like what? I mean, just like dis ghosted like me. Ghosted completely. Me. Completely ghosted I me. I shut him down, did not even say, no, I'm not interested. Like, like I gave him every single message she possible. She was hating she was hating on me. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know what but, happened. But, but just hold on. I need to give some backstory, okay? So the week that he asked me to go out for coffee with him, I had five other guys that week ask me the same exact thing. And not just that. I had just broken up with a very abusive boyfriend. So all of that had taken place that week. He was number five of the five guys. And I was just like completely not willing to give anybody a second chance. I already had gone there, had already taken a risk, had been completely hurt. And then the sweetest person ever. <laughs> and me. I get ghosted. <laughs> I get ghosted. Completely. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, man, what did I do? And God actually gave me peace. Okay, think about this. I'm, I'm like in this I'm coming out of a broken broken marriage, broken relationship. I'm having like this deep longing to not be alone, okay? And God says, no, I need to do some serious work in your heart. And so I'm like, I don't know the context of Jess's life, but when she shut me down, I was like, okay, that is either, I'm either, I either just like smell bad or something or God, you want to do something, you know? And so I... I had peace in my heart to not take it personally. And I just was like, okay, I'm just going to keep praying for her because that's pretty cool. So um, two years later, okay, two years later, we're, um, I'm walking back from chapel. One of my profs, he's this amazing guy, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, you know, and, and he never had Jessa as a student. So I don't even know where this came from, honestly. But he says, hey, are you single? And I, I was like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm still single. He's like, you should talk to the Canadian girl. Hey. <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I've already tried to talk to her like two years ago. She's so not interested. She ghosted me completely. And he said to me, don't give up so easy. And I was like, oh, okay, God, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I mean, this guy's like a really good Christian. 
Okay, maybe he's trying to say something to me. So Jessa was literally, it was February. Okay, we, in Colorado Springs, we get a ton of snow, right? So we had like, gosh, a ton of snow. It had been snowing for like two weeks. And I, the, the only thing I knew was from like two years ago, there was like a Facebook post, something about bicycles, and Jessa liked it. So I knew she liked bicycles. And I'm like, I run up behind her. There's two feet of snow. And I was like, oh, oh, hi, Jessa. Um, have you ridden your bike recently? <laughs> Like, Worst uh, pickup line ever. Don't don't use Okay, that one. but you gotta g- know, guys. Over those two years, I was falling in love with Jesus completely. He had captured my heart one hundred percent. And during those two years, I heard Jesus say to me, Jessa, I want you to know me, and I want to know you intimately. And so during those two years, I was getting to know Christ and getting to know Him deeply, getting to know Him intimately, falling in love with Him. And he also asked me to go running with him. So every single time I go for a Jesus asked you to go running. Yeah, yeah. He asked me to go for a run, to go for multiple runs. So I would do long distance runs, like thirteen miles, fifteen miles. I went with Jesus and would listen to worship music, and would just completely find that was a time where I could connect deeply with my Creator, with my Savior, with the One who created the beautiful landscapes all around me, and so. I had not been bicycling lately, but I told John, I just ran a half marathon (laughs) in California at Disneyland. And he was like, oh, dude, I'm training for a half marathon right now, too. No lie, I literally was. (laughs) Okay, I promise. (laughs) So I was like, oh, sweet. So I was actually the one who asked him out. I was like, would you like to go running with me? And it was really cool because in my mind, I thought, I'm not really wanting to date, but Jesus called me to fall in love with him, to take two years, to not date anyone, to take two years to fall in love with him. Those two years have passed, and I literally thought a man would be waiting on my doorstep. That didn't happen, and I just felt like Christ was saying, like, it's okay to take a risk, and it's okay to go and take the first step, but date, a run, doesn't mean that you're making a commitment, and so for me, that run meant that I could have running shoes on. It meant that I could run faster than you and yeah, not have to so put makeup on. <laughs> it was great. I'm like running and dying, and she's like walking next to me. I'm not kidding. And we were talking about the old dead guys who've written like really philosophical Tozer. and Anybody read Tozer books? in here? Tozer? <laughs> very cool. Very cool. I like those guys. So we like figured out pretty quickly that we were both huge nerds. Um, but I, I just want to give a shout out to Jessa too. Like she had to get her GED to just go to school and she graduated her undergrad summa cum laude, which is amazing. So y'all know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. That's like huge. So she had to get a GED to go to school and she graduated top of her class and it was, um, so she's, she's taking it to her home (laughs) over there. Anyway. Um, so we're dating, um, we're going on dates, and about a couple of months into it, I, uh, she, she calls me really serious tone in her voice. She says, I need to talk to you right now. And I like live like 45 minutes away, so I'm driving. I'm like white-knuckling my steering wheel. I'm like, what is going on? Maybe I really do smell bad. Um, and uh, something serious. So I show up. She's already outside. I'm like, okay, this is pretty serious. I get out of my car. I walk up same serious tone. She's like, we need to talk. And we go, and we go for a walk. 
and I, I, we're walking together, and that's when Jessa turned to me and said, hey, I just want you to hear this from me before we get into this too far, but I, I survived something called human trafficking. And that's when I learned that this incredible person that I was falling in love with had actually endured one of the most sadistic, evil things that exists on this planet. And uh, honestly, when she told me that, I just fell even more deeply in love with her because I thought, what, how hard, how much courage did that take to share that with me, right? So she was taking that risk of being super vulnerable and trusting me with that kind of information, that kind of knowledge about her background. And, and, uh, and even you had had boyfriends in the past that you shared that with, and they just ditched, right? I mean, how did that make you feel? Yeah, so when they ditched me and, like, completely told me it was way too much for them to hold or to handle, like, that just made me feel even, like, more like I'm trash and, like, no one can handle the things that I've been through. But yet when John responded, so I had been working with my therapist to just kind of figure out, like, how much does one share? When you've experienced trauma and you're in a serious dating relationship that's safe, that's healthy, that red flags are not present, how much do you share of your past experiences? And even if it's not trauma, even if it's just bad decisions that have been made in the past, like, how much do you share? And um, so my therapist really walked with me through, you don't need to share everything. So when you read a book, you have the titles of the chapters, right? And then you have the details that go into those chapters beyond the title. And when you're starting to date and getting to know somebody, you don't want to put pictures in the mind of other people. And so I was very deliberate to go ahead and just share with John some very chosen bullet points and I decided, okay, I'm going to start with this, see how he responds with that, and then in another setting, as we continue our relationship, I can share with him a little bit more, and I can see how he responds. And so when he responded with, I just love you, and you've given me just the ability to see so much courage inside of you, like that just changed me. Um, and it, it really empowered me because shortly after that, I did my first public speaking event. And that really gave me the ability to go into that boldly and to feel like I could speak my truth. And it was a miracle to see God at work. Y'all, she was sharing her story for the first time publicly to an academic conference. Okay, if you talk about dry, this is like the desert, right? These guys are all academicians. There's, you know, smart people. And she's it's sharing. It's a sociological research conference, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> she's sharing her, 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 her story and God uses her story to break out um, revival at this conference. People were, were um, they were giving their lives to Christ. They were confessing sin that they even had involved in. And, and, and um, you know, Jessa, uh, actually, um, Jessa's prof who went with her called me, and she was like, you don't even know what's going on here. Like, there's all these, you know, anyway, it just, it was amazing, like that vulnerability that she had, God used it in huge ways. And I just, um, I think about the risk that that was to take. And, and as I was um, getting to know Jessa more, I went through my own grieving process, just like understanding how this person that I loved went through such a horrific thing. And, um, 
And so we, we decided to take it kind of slow. You know, we, we knew that there was a lot of moving pieces. There was all of my baggage from my horrible relationship that I had come out of and, um, and addiction and all of these things. And, um, and then, you know, Jessa, what she had experienced, and we said, okay, we need to take it really slow and deliberate. So um, she calls me up and says, hey, we should do um, pre-engagement counseling. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. You guys Who heard that? Who here knows about pre-engagement Did you know pre-engagement counseling, <gasps> counseling oh was gosh. a thing? Oh, my gosh. That's okay. awesome. Okay, it is a thing, pre-engagement counseling, going to counseling <laughs> to talk about the process of getting engaged. And it so was weird. Amazing. It was so weird. It was so weird, but so, weird. so awesome. So I Googled it. I Googled it, and it said that it's a great way to get out of a relationship before you get overly committed. And I'm and like, here I was like, this Yay. is a great way for the ring to get put on my finger. <laughs> so we go to this pre-engagement counseling, and it actually was beautiful because um, some dear friends of ours got to speak truth into our relationship, and they said, man, you guys – Listen, I don't know if you guys are getting the theme here, but we were a broken, ugly, nasty mess, both of us. And we were just loving on Jesus first and foremost, just pursuing him and just bowing to him every single day. And then out of that ugly brokenness, we would kind of come to each other and say, will you take this crappy, broken mess? And we said, and it was like, that, that was our approach to relationship was like, Will you and and so it was amazing because I was so messed up and I thought I literally this is a true story. I sat down with one of my profs for lunch and I had this is before Jessa and I met the second time. So I had seen her and I was like, Oh, she's beautiful and da 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 and but she had shut me down and, and I'm a broken mess. I just I had come out of this divorce and we're sitting there and he's trying to convince me that I'm not as broken as I think I am. And I said, you don't understand. Somebody whose divorce could never attract someone like Jessa. Do you know Jessa? Nobody could, could attract somebody like that who's divorced. And I had no idea, like, the stuff that she had gone through. And so as I'm, like, you know, putting this out there and taking that risk and saying, here's my broken mess, and this incredible woman who had experienced horrific things is just like, I'll take that. I'll take that. And, hey, let's just get to know each other slowly. And so we did this engage, uh, pre-engagement counseling, and then we did, uh, we got engaged on the top of, you remember the mountain? Mount Taurus. Yeah. We yeah. got engaged on top of a 14er because um, we love to hike. And... Um, and then we did premarital counseling, Pre and then we got married, and we did postmarital counseling. And we're still in counseling. <laughs> and we're still in counseling. <laughs> and now I'm a counselor, <laughs> and so I believe in lots of counseling. By the way, we are huge proponents of mental health, of okay? Mental so healthcare. if you're here and you don't have a counselor, go get a counselor. I don't care. It's going <laughs> to make you a better human being, right? We're just going to get better together, and I'm telling you, having that person to just talk through. Uh, talk through the hard stuff of life. Who's not going to judge you, man? Just go do it. Just do it. I know there's excuses like it's expensive. Just do it. Get a counselor. But that has been such a huge thing for yeah, us. It has been a huge thing. And I can say that a lot of people say our lives look pretty magical from the outside. And that our marriage, that our wedding photos look like magic took place. And yet I can say that 
there was a lot of work that went into just our relationship. The wedding is just one day. What you're actually preparing for is a lifetime together. And so um, a lot of hard work went into that. Um, Six weeks before we got married, I actually had a very major um, medical procedure done. They found a tumor on my thyroid. I had emergency surgery. It was really challenging the day we came home from our honeymoon. That hospital robe, though, and that bed hair. That was hot. Shut up. <laughs> that was hot. Yo, shut I was checking up. her out. She was oh, in the hospital after surgery. Shut up. <laughs> no, and but we were like legally married. We were, but we, we decided legally. that we weren't going to have sex or believe that. We believed that marriage was that with our witnesses before God and our witnesses. So we yeah. were legally married at that time so that I could go ahead and get on his insurance, but <laughs> we had our wedding and that was our marriage. Think about this though, right? Think about giving what she's been through. We had this horrific medical situation and we had to get her on our insurance. Um, so we went and legally got married. This was like a couple of months before our In actual April. wedding. And um, here we are legally married. And my father-in-law is like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. We have not said our vows. We have not entered into our covenant before our father. And I actually told Jessa, I said, I know we're legally married and we probably could get away with it. But I said, I'd love it if we just waited. And Think I about needed what that's that personally. Spoke. I needed to know that he was going to respect me in that way and that he was going to take that and hold that. So it was something that we both desired, but the fact that you respected that was so important to me. So I can just say that marriage is hard, life is hard, crap happens, Dating shit continues to take place. Dating Wait, what is was hard. Says so shit. <laughs> oh, Crossroads, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of an unchurched person. We're real life. No. <laughs> We're real life. You guys okay with that? I didn't grow up We're in the church, okay. so right. um, we are real life, and you know. And we love Jesus we at love the same Jesus. time. Did you know that? <laughs> um, but really quick, we just want to share, we're going to run through real quickly a few things that we learned in our dating process that I think are some good takeaways. And, um, and then we'll jump into small group um, and uh, we'll go from there really quickly. I know that uh, we're a little bit over. So, um, gosh. Singleness. Who in here? What? Well, no, I don't want to out you guys. Okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, raise your hand if you want. Okay. But listen, I, I could never be single in my BC days. I just couldn't because I was so insecure and I was bouncing from relationship to relationship. And I was putting all these things on the person that I was dating that really only God can fulfill. And at the end of the day, when I finally was single for like, I mean, I was for like three years, it was like such a much needed thing for God to be able to have my undivided attention, for him to re rework all these ideas in my heart of what it means to be a man in God, a Christian, to be a follower, to be a believer, but, but to love him above everything else. And, uh, and it was really, really, really hard. It was lonely, but it was necessary. And so I just want to encourage you this evening, if you're here and you're single 
absolutely be praying every single day, God, what do you have for me in this season? How do you want to grow me? How do you want to strengthen me? How do you want to challenge me? What ways do you want to enlarge my horizon of faith? Guys, these are the moments where you're asking the hard questions. You're dealing with the hard stuff. And, 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 and God is just like uprooting all of these things in your life that you think are true. And it's like, and then he, he says, no, this is how it actually is. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you're single, we're talking to you guys. It's an, it's, take advantage. Drink up those moments. I know they're lonely. I know they're painful. But those are the moments where God can just, man, he can get in there and he can do some real work in your heart. Is that what you kind of experienced while you were in that season? Yeah, so I think the advice that I would give to somebody who is single and is waiting for the right one and singleness just seems so hard and so long is, first and foremost, um, falling in love with Jesus. I think oftentimes one of the things that can be so hard is, is we grow up with this idea that relationships will fill a need that we have, an emptiness, a hole that we have, and we have to let Jesus fill those areas. We have to let Jesus fill those wounds. We have to let Jesus fill those areas within us that are longing for attention. Because if Jesus doesn't fill those areas, when we get in a relationship, you will still end up at some point in a place where you will have the same kind of emptiness as before. And eventually it's going to happen. And who's going to fill it then? And so falling in love with Jesus while you're single is easier than when you um, are in a relationship and then eventually get married. With that, Real quick, just want to tag yeah. on that. One thing I heard the other day that I thought was so good is the faith that you attract them with is the faith that you'll keep them with. Hmm. So I thought that was really good. You know, it's just like, man, just just pursuing Christ, that's number one. And then through that, the right person's going to be in your life. So go for it. Yeah. So I w- that's the advice that I would give to one who is single and is waiting to get married, who wants to get married, who wants to be in a Boom. relationship. Um, also, too, I would go ahead and, um, like I mentioned, I'm a mental health clinician. So I would encourage good, get good therapy and try to figure out, too, like, where that intrinsic um, need is. And if you find yourself constantly falling into unhealthy relationships, really look at that with a clinician who is trained, who's licensed, who can go ahead and help you figure out um, how your story from your background and past might be impacting the person you are today. Because also, too, if you don't look at that, yes, Jesus can do miracles, but he also um, has put psychology into the minds of people to walk that through with you and to be able to help you in that process in that way. Sweet. Okay, the other thing that we did, uh, this is for dating folks. Um, We had talks about Frank. Okay, that was kind of like our code. This is probably probably weird. Frank. (laughs) So this one over here who's like so particular with her language, she said, can we have a Frank conversation? I was like, does anybody say that anymore? Does anybody say that anymore, actually? She's like, no, we need to have a Frank conversation. And so I, me being the the, the child, ball. the three-year-old that I am, I was like, oh, cool, let's talk about Frank. So anyway, um, yeah, we had these conversations about boundaries, boundaries, and um, 
this is really early on. Um, we talked about um, not just physical boundaries, but other boundaries too, right? Um, like, you know, it's not okay for me to blow her phone up, right? So we talked about all kinds of boundaries, boundaries on communication, physical boundaries. We talked about goals. We talked about, it was like, it was like our space where we could get really serious with each other about our relationship. And, um, and, and so, um, we weirdly called it our Frank talks, um, <laughs> but, we but it was also really helpful to have a code word so that you and yeah, I could both enter totally. into that mental headspace to be able to yep. have those hard conversations. Kind of prepare for that. Yep. And and one of the you know a couple things that we decided I'll just share a couple with you. Um, Jessa and I were not phone people, and in fact, I think the entire time we dated, before we got engaged, we might have talked on the phone like twice, maybe. I mean, seriously, uh, we were both very, very, very busy people. And I just want to say, um, when you're thinking about boundaries, just think outside the box. It doesn't just have to be physical things. But the other thing that we committed to doing was not being alone together, right? Um, so, and I just want to encourage you guys, Jessa and I both have been sexually active before our relationship. Both of us have been. And so when we entered into this, we, we you know, I said, look, I don't even know how to say this. Um, I, I squandered God's purposes for my life. And, I f and there was a lot of shame. And I was asking, okay, can I recommit? Can I start this over? Because I'm a new person. I'm a new person in Christ. And he told me yes. And I believe it's so true. If you're here tonight, regardless of what you've done, you can start over. You could commit. You could say tonight, you know what? I'm going to save sex for marriage. And we made that decision in our relationship. And I'm telling you, coming from a toxic relationship to a really beautiful, redeeming, miracle kind of a relationship, it made all the difference. All the difference. It's not about following rules. It's not about, you know, uh, do this and don't do that. Man, it made all the difference in our way to connect with each other, in our hanging out. There was not this other thing that was looming, right? It was we had made a commitment. We had a conversation. And, and we were young adults when we were dating. I mean, we're still young adults. I mean, you're still a young adult. Um, anyway. But, but like, it was hard. I mean, I've been there. And so to say, like, from here forward, we're going we're gonna to make this decision. But I could not have been more excited mm -hmm. to be able to just give that gift to her, especially with what she's been through. The last thing she needed was another person just making her make compromises or, or trying to convince her to compromise herself. And so if you're here and you have, and you're like, man, my past is just crazy and you have no idea and uh, I don't know that I could ever start over, I promise you, you can. I believe that you can. And number two, it's a beautiful thing that you can um, be able to say, hey, this is not the most important thing to me. I'm more, more, more concerned about getting to know you as a person. That's a beautiful thing. So that was something that we committed to inside of our Frank Talks, and we committed to not being alone together.
That was a big one. That was hard because that meant that we had to like rearrange stuff, right? So when we were hanging out together, we would go to local places. And maybe you're like, man, that's, that's elementary kind of stuff. But for us, it was like I was so messed up. And, and she had been through so much horrific stuff. It was like, man, we want to start from ground zero. And just maybe maybe we're, we're treating it too, um, I don't know, too, uh, too low or something. I don't know. But we just were like, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to stick to it. And we did. And it made a huge difference. But some things were off the table by making that decision. You know, we couldn't live together, Right. We couldn't do that if we were going to commit that we weren't going to be alone before we got married. And that was so huge. Because, and I think about Paul, he says, make not provision for the flesh. Okay, and, and so our decision was to not ever put ourselves in a position to fall. And that's hard. Man, that's so hard. When you're like, <laughs> you know, when you're in there like, your 20s and like, I think I was 30 or something like that. But, but like, I mean, to say like, we're not going to put ourselves in a position where we're alone. It's like, are we children? You know, but that was important to us. And it was so important. And then, and then it, it made a huge difference. So, yep. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> um, you know, Learning to say it's okay to take risks. Um, I think for both of us, we put a lot of trust in the other person. I was really um, broken with from infidelity, and I had a lot of trust issues when I came to Jessa. And, uh, and so I had to put that risk. I had to take a risk and put that trust in her. And she has, has taken that and just handled it with such gentle care that God used Jessa to heal a lot of those deep, deep wounds. But it was vice versa because I also had to go ahead and take a huge risk of enabling myself to be vulnerable and um, open myself to be loved and to not um, have that trampled on again. So I had to go ahead and take the risk of giving that to you and trusting you with that. And you held that very gently. So it went yeah. both ways. And so I think one of the neat things is when you enter into a broken relationship with another broken human being, it creates opportunity for there to be a collaborative healing process. And it's actually super beautiful when you can get to that place of collaborative vulnerability. And Whoa, so that's a good word. Did you just make that up? Uh-huh. Whoa. Ooh. Collaborative vulnerability. Yeah. She's smart. So <laughs> collaborative vulnerability. There you go. That's wow. your word for today. And it like it creates it's it's contagious, right? I, I believe that intimacy and vulnerability is contagious. Now, I don't recommend doing this in relationships that you don't want to go deep, okay? This is this is the uh, big don't lead that person on conversation. Do not be vulnerable and don't take risks in a relationship with somebody that you are thinking it's it's not going to go deep because we naturally bond and connect on a whole nother intimate level when we when we get intimate, right? When we get intimate. Um yeah. So, anything yeah, else? That's it. That's what you got? Are we going to go to the captain question? You know, I think we're going to – do you guys want to jump into small group at this point? How are we doing? Yes, let's go to small group. All right. Hey, listen. Um, listen, we don't know everything. Yes, 
obviously. And um, what's that? I know you're excited. I honestly think I'd answer every one of these. Okay. Yeah, okay, perfect. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got some questions for you guys. The leaders have the questions on their phones. Um, and I thought it would be really cool if we split up um, guys and girls. So um, we'll let the ladies stay in here, okay? And guys, we'll go, uh, we'll go rough it out in the gym. You guys cool with that? Um, and uh, and just go as long as you as long as you need to go. If you're talking and you're getting deep, but I want you guys to feel free to be vulnerable um, with with us. Like if you have a question, if you want to dig in, let me just pray first real quick, and then we'll jump into small group. Father, thank you so much. Father, thank you for relationships. God, I just think about um, how you existed in relationship before creation ever did. And you knit us and you created us in likeness to you. We have your thumbprint on our lives. And that thumbprint, part of it is relationships. And God, there's a reason that relationships are so hard is because we need you and your Holy Spirit to, to, for them to work at all. And that's why marriages fail. That's why relationships fail, God, is because we're not pressing into you enough. And so I pray for every person here as we think about, um, you know, relationships and, and, and hopes and aspirations for the future. Maybe we're already married or maybe we're already in a relationship. God, would you just help us to be vulnerable this evening and learn from each other's experiences. In Jesus' name. Hey.